Back by popular demand, Doric is in the co-host seat. And boy, it feels good to be back on the show. Welcome to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop and Adam Shaw. Hey guys. Hey, welcome back. Who's who's this? I'm Doric. How do you spell that? D H O R I K C C E. Yeah. yeah it's Middle e. Eastern. Doric. The <laughs> A U G H T is silent. <laughs> the what? The A U G H T is silent. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh my. Did you enjoy your fishing trip, Doric? <laughs> Oh my! What can I say? Listen, to have been what roasted by I, us is one thing. What did I thing. do to deserve this? But to have been roasted by Bishop Larry Booker was gold. You know, you go away from the show, and we don't do that. Oh, kind don't of even! Stuff. <laughs> don't, don't even! I actually went home after we were recording that night, and the, the, shout out to the Townleys mm-hmm. and my son. They're all sitting around listening to that. Goofy, gone fishing oh. episode. Yes, they were. Yes, mm-hmm. they were. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. And just for the record, I do know how to handle those buttons over there mm-hmm. by your chair. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, there there are some interesting things that I could say. I will just leave it at this, that it's good to be back and it's good to feel like I'm missed. And uh, yeah, have you ever noticed how we say that? <clears throat> Jumping in, our guests can chime here too. When mm-hmm. we when we're kicking off, you know, a church service, mm-hmm. and we say let's let's make everyone feel welcome. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be welcome. You just want them to mm-hmm. feel just feel just feel welcome. Just, <laughs> just feel, feel it. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. perceptions reality. <laughs> <laughs> so we already blew the official intro. So. But- there, there's a review that caught my attention, of course. There always is one, at least. This one is called... Sorry, did you need to say something? There's, there's several good ones out there. Listen to this one. Five stars from Nalani Gallardo. So the name is... It flows off the tongue nicely. <laughs> it's not like Church Pew 238 vacuum asterisk asterisk asterisk. It's, it's good. And it says, this is my second review. So this is, I think... You can leave more than one review? Apparently. I don't know. There's a glitch somewhere. And it says this. This podcast is such a blessing. I've been a listener since December 2021, and I can definitely say this amazing podcast has changed the way I think about living for God. I look forward to every episode. Please keep the Bible bombs coming. So see, I know where the Bible bomb button still is. I do. I know where that is. Okay. This, this was okay. it. The, the, the last statement, and thank you for this, Nalani. It says, maybe y'all should do a Church Fails second edition episode. Oh. And uh-huh. boy, can I say amen to that. It's time. <laughs> can I get an amen? Amen! Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah! Time. June, June July? It's time. Oh, he's counting down the days. So are we. <laughs> oh. Oh, if you guys think we're doing oh. that again, we are not doing oh. that again. We have the script prepared, might I say. Uh, 
Hey, no. let's jump in. Look at this. Look at this. This is called the Thai Guys. Have you heard of the Thai Guys? Wow. What do they sell? Have you heard wow. Uh, what do they well, sell? Well, I don't know what they sell, but they gave us neckties. So uh, this was sent to us in the mail. And it says, hey, King to Speak, thank you uh, for this opportunity. We're looking forward to this giveaway. Uh, however you want to do your giveaways, we're on board. And that's from Brother Hutchison. Um, so guess what? This is what we're going to do. It's going to be real simple. We're going to put a post out on our social media feeds. We want you to like it, share it, tag them, tag us. Yes. And we're just going to pop all your names in. I, I, I do believe that the uh, proceeds from their sales mm -hmm. go to support missions. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so we have three neckties here. Kingdom business. They are real. Uh, they have matching, I see at least one, pocket square. Like crazy nice stuff. I wish I could keep them for myself, honestly. But, you know, we're going to give it away because it was given to well, us. Well, actually, uh, we, we do have someone here that might could use one. Yeah. Uh, two, actually. <laughs> oh, two. two. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, is this, are we going charismatic? Can I just say that? <laughs> oh! Can I just say that? Woo! Zing, shots fired. Um, okay, sorry. That just came out of my mouth. I just felt that. Just, wow. Back to my, wow. Early, back to my earlier that comments. That just happened. <laughs> and anyways, God bless the Thai guys for blessing us with neckties, and they're going to go to a kingdom speaker. So how cool is that? That's um, awesome. Anytime we can give stuff is there is there a spot Very where cool. folks can learn more about them? Well, they're they're on Instagram apparently. Uh, good, good, good cue. Thank you for that. You're pretty good at this. Uh, be f be sure to find us on Instagram at the Thai Guys. There they are. Uh, you check them out. Really cool. Go give them a really follow. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Not sure guys. where you wear neckties these days, uh, but you should do like a producer version of the necktie. Maybe I don't know. I don't be know. cheaper. Yeah. Yes. Well, welcome back, Doric. We are glad that you're back. Brother Booker. That wow. episode is like Both Elon Musk-like. Both of them. Like rocket ship. Both of them. Wow. I love how he just Whoa. sits there. You know, the just... bane of pettiness. Mm. Absolutely incredible. So yeah, we have had, we have had a couple of good runs, guy. and it's not going down from here. It's up Ooh. again. Here we go again. Welcome today's guest, Pastor Adam Shaw. Welcome. Hey, guys. It's so great to be here on the show with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man. This has Canadian. been something. Canadian. Well, that's it. That's the top a of the A fellow list. Canuck. Mm-hmm. That's um, right, eh? That's mm -hmm. right, eh? See? It, it's the way to go. Uh, way to go there, guys. That was a great intro, eh? You got the Timmys. Yeah. You got the Timmys. Ready to roll? Uh, what, what's your order at Timmy's? Is it a double double? Um, you shouldn't. You shouldn't order anything. I know you're a coffee shop that 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 sells good coffee, and I understand that this is going to put me at odds with so many people because Hamilton, Ontario, is the birthplace Tim of Tim Hortons. Come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and. Yeah, and it's honestly, my wife drinks it every day, so pray pray for her. We're you know we're she'll come around eventually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Pastor yeah, Raymond Woodward will be at odds with you. You know what? He and I have had a conversation. He's my elder. Um, I understand, but but uh, there's just better coffee out there. Which it is really is which is better, Tim Hortons or uh, McDonald's? Oh, 
coffee. <laughs> oh, that's a ditch so, on either side hey, of the there's road. There's a question on the floor. Please that's, answer it. That's what we're wanting an answer. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I would go if I was, you know, I was between a rock and a hard place. And, and, and you would go where? Like I'd drink a, I would drink a Red Bull before I would, I would drink, I would drink Tim Hortons. Uh, but, but I would say McDonald's. Yes! Conspiracy. What? What? This conspiracy. Okay. What's the, the conspiracy con- is that, that, <laughs> God um, mercy. the lease on the, on the, this is what I heard. It, it, you don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, hey, it's not like we're it's recording a podcast it's just around us. the world. It's just us. Yeah. It's just us. So I'll just let it slip. That that uh, Tim Hortons let their lease on their fields lapse, and McDonald's snapped up the mm-hmm. Brazilian coffee fields that that Tim Hortons used to use, which is why um, mm-hmm. Tim Hortons coffee tasted, start tasting different, like eight, nine years ago. And McDonald's coffee all of a sudden suddenly got better and tasted like a a throwback. But I think that is just for Canadian McDonald's because Canadians take their coffee so seriously mm-hmm. um, that the Canadian McDonald's realized is. they needed to have a different market. I've been vindicated. We can end the show right here. That was there, there is a yeah, great to be with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah! uh, we have already put the stick in the pot. Oh, man. We did. We've started. <laughs> and we've started. Mm-hmm. We have. We have started. Because you need cream and sugar to be able to <laughs> choke down Tim Hortons. Oh. So you do have to start. Yes, you mm-hmm. do. Yes, you do. In all seriousness, we are jazzed to have you with us today. Um, for those of you in our listening audience that does not know uh, Pastor Adam Shaw, as we already said, he is a fellow Canadian, and he, along with his wife Stephanie, are the executive pastors of Life Point United Pentecostal Church, located in Hamilton, Ontario. And for all of our listeners south of the border, they think Canadian, they think Canada is just a neighborhood anyway. Mm. So. <laughs> We've known each other forever. Oh, we see oh, him, we I mean, see him we all the time. Oh. Yeah. He was going to the store the other day, and yeah. there, he, there he was. Ran into one another. Yeah. 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 Right in the maple syrup aisle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, eh? Yes. In addition to um, being a pastor, executive pastor of LifePoint, you're also heavily involved in traveling, speaking at conferences around North America and abroad and maybe even um i don't want to say more importantly i guess we got to keep things in order but Mm -hmm. running a close second is host of the restorationist podcast that is an absolute incredible asset to the kingdom so so with all of that we are really just honored to have you with us we've been working on this for a few months now and thank you for fitting us into your schedule. Well, I'm I'm so honored to be here. I love Kingdom Speak. Uh, you guys are guys are great, and the show's awesome. And um, you know, Pastor McKillop, you and I ran. We we'd been connecting on Instagram and yes. and chatting back and forth, but then we ran into one another uh, in uh, when I was when I was down in New Brunswick and um, developed a, a, a quick a friendship. And uh, it is it's an honor to be on the show, getting a chance to know you. And, uh, and then obviously meeting the guys, Doric and, mm-hmm. uh, producer Randy, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it is, it. uh mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. an honor. It's an honor to be with you guys today. Thank you so much for having me. You have great guests and you, you asked me. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very humbled to be here. Well, we are, we're delighted. Uh, 
Uh, give us a little background, um, behind, you know, behind the legend. Tell us, tell us the man behind the message. Uh, when you started your podcast, all all of that. Give us, give us the scoop on that before we get into today's um, episode. Yeah. So I, I, I had been. There's, there's kind of two things that took place that started the show. Um, number one, I wanted to have, I, I mentor young leaders in our church. Uh, people that feel a call to preach. And we had this, these young guys that were, that were, you know, wanting to follow the call of God and, and we wanted to develop them. And I wanted to talk about preaching. I didn't know how I was going to do it, um, but I wanted to talk about preaching and specifically I wanted to talk about apostolic preaching because it is so different from the rest of the church world. Right point. And yes. there was, there was so much out there that if you wanted, you know, you know, you had the, charismatic and, and, and I'm speaking of literal, you know, charismatics, uh, that, that they would emphasize gifts and spirit. And then on the other side, you had these cessationist reformers that wanted to talk about biblical exposition. And what makes apostolics unique is that we go, it's not either, or uh, it's both. And that so good. being spirit led and, and spirit driven flowing in gifts of the spirit while you're preaching the sermon, while also expositing a word from God that's in context, that's theologically sound. Um, what, why do you, why do you got to pick a side when that's how the apostles attempted to preach? Yes. And so there's nobody that was coming at it from number one, our oneness Pentecostal perspective and in our soteriological worldview, it just changes everything. Our, and, and so no one was coming from that perspective. And then no one was kind of bridging this spirit led word informed approach together. And so I was youth president also at the time. And there was all these, you know, young ministers coming up and the heroes, the guys that I see them share and comment on, on social media were the wrong voices for their life. And um, I'm a, I'm a big believer that if something's wrong, you got to call it out. But I also think that that we also got to provide alternatives as well. So if right. we don't like the voices that are there and people are looking for a voice to speak into their life, then we can't just go, no, don't, you can't do that. We've got to say, here is a viable biblical alternative that's actually so going to answer the questions you're really asking. So I had that in my mind. And then I remember distinctly, uh, we had a young adult retreat here in Ontario and there were, you know, apostolic young people from, from all over the province that had come in for this retreat. And I was listening to them talk about what they were listening to. And it was, it was podcasts and they were listening to, um, you know, politically conservative, politically moderate, and then social commentators. And it was the gamut of your Jordan Peterson's to your Ben Shapiro's to right. Uh, all the way up to your your Joe Rogan's, which was a problem, and uh, and Beep. and 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 so well that yeah I was like how do you guys uh, censor that? There's only about twelve minutes of the show you can really listen to, right. and and so I'm listening to them and and they're spending hours on their phones listening to these long form conversations, and at the same time I'm going to youth ministry conferences where they're telling me that I need to pare down the length of my messages more and more and more. We need to speak more kind of in sound bites. And so I'm like, I've got young adults whose behaviors are engaging with the most important conversations about life, about God, about sexuality, morality, everything. And they're listening for hours. And I'm being told I need to do sound bites. 
that something doesn't fit here. And right. so again, there's a need for a viable alternative. And I started answering questions on Instagram. Uh, I'd be like, ask, you know, the ask me a question sticker. And somebody said, Hey, you need to do a podcast. And then it all kind of clicked. And we had the preaching conversation, the idea conversation, and then the restorationist was born and the restorationist uh, title, um, the title of the show comes from a book written by a fellow New Brunswicker, uh, Dr. Robin Johnson. He is the uh, head of Pentecostal Publishing House, and he wrote a book on Howard Goss and the formation of the oneness Pentecostal movement. And okay. here's what he said about the early oneness Pentecostal movement. He said they had they had a restorationist impulse. That's what marked the early oneness Pentecostal revival, the rallying cry of the turn of the century, the turn of the 20th century movement was let's get back to acts that oh, that good. acts is the model and let's 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 get back to acts that's the rallying cry let's let's cut through traditions creeds all of that stuff sure and let's go what is peter james john bartholomew thomas paul jesus what are they saying to the church now and what can we experience and how should we then live now mm. and when I saw that, I was like, that's, that's the show. That's the name. That's what we're trying to do. And, um, well, and you do, you the, do the restorationist was born. You do an incredible job at it. Oh, thank you. How, how long have you been doing your show? We are, you know, COVID and all of the Canadian lockdowns has lost my ability to determine history. Um, <laughs> but I would say we're at the three and a half year mark okay. right now. So kind of, kind of a similar timeline from when we we kicked off it'd be, mm -hmm. it'd be really close yep that's that's amazing you know um without hunkering down too long on this a concern of mine has been that even the format of a lot of our conferences now has evolved from years ago being to use a term that you just used long form so you know your afternoon teachers Bible teachers were the same guy from Monday to Friday. And and he could tackle in in an exegetical manner and and an expositional manner. He could tackle topics and spread it out over four or five days. The the evolving of our conferences has robbed us of that a bit in the sense that you go in and you get one shot. And, and then someone yeah. else is getting up. And how can you, t there's certain subject material that you just can't tackle in that uh, concise time slot. And, and I think it goes back to what you and I talked about when you were on the Restorationist, um, shameless plug. Yes. And uh, you, you and I talked about teaching right. and the lost art of teaching and uh, how, you know, there is, we, we love preaching and that's good. And we have to have it, but at the same time, it is teaching that informs and strengthens and matures the church. And it's difficult to teach in, in, in a one shot. I, I think, and again, I, you, you just stop being redirect me. Yeah, man. Let's <laughs> I, roll. I think one of the, one of the, one of the issues, and I, and I don't mean to sound like the, the negative guy, cause I'm not, um, one of the problems with the kind of 
grew up on the other side of the tracks mentality that sometimes apostolics have as we look to other people that do not share common worldview for either affirmation or for models. And I'm not sure that that's, that's the best route when, when we have the ability to chart our own path. And when you, when you understand that so much of what is now modern oneness Pentecostalism was really informed by um, the nineties, you know, late eighties and nineties charismatic movements that, you know, the, the charismatic movements that were out there and how that's even kind of informed how we, you know, set up, set up churches or conferences or what's the win and things. And there is, I think a desire within Gen Zers and millennials of which I am a part to have big conversations about big ideas. And the only way you can do that is if you park for a long period of time with a group of people. And I am as you know, I, I want to be as apostolic as I can be, but I am concerned when churches are so experientially driven that they learn or that they forget that, that it's also it's so important that we learn God's teaching, that we are rooted in yes. discipleship and that we have to be taught. And so I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you there. I, I, I like it when I have the opportunity to, to, to spend a few days with a, with a group of people to really kind of dig in the word um, because it's, I think we are in a, such a, a strange place in Canadian culture, but worldwide as, as it is uh, where, where people are so post-Christian they're pagan, really Canadians are pagan. Totally. And, and in my, my city, they're pagan. Our churches, we got a, we got a heroin distribution point on one side and a brothel on the other side. And, you know, people come in from all walks of life and all different religious backgrounds. The last groups of people we have won have come from not just other streams of Christianity that have lost faith, but they are coming from new age and paganism and witchcraft. And there are some things that I can't give you enough altar experiences for you to pray through. I, I got to teach you through it. Because it requires a change in how you live, a change in how you think, and a change. I got to change the story that's in your head. And yeah. the only way you can do that is through content driven preaching that, yes, we respond to in an altar, but really we live Monday to Saturday. You know, what, what you've just said is, is so key. And I will, I will send you a link to an article that I read um, a few weeks ago. But this is not just a semantical difference, what you've just said, of identifying our culture as one that is paganistic. Some people would call it atheistic. It is not. It is paganistic. No. And understanding the difference between those two elements is fundamental in impacting the world that we are living in. Well, one of the last press conferences from a major political party um, here in Canada, uh, in the GTHA, I'll, they they had a press conference regarding a private members bill they were putting forward, and they were flanked by a witch. Um, they were flanked by a um, one of the mainline denominations that that has completely abandoned any sort of semblance of faith in Christianity. Mm-hmm. A young boy that was dressed as a young girl. A um, a, a bunch of, of, of drag queens and then one other practicer of a pagan faith. Yeah. And when yeah. I saw that, I was like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not atheistic. 
No. We have religion in Canada. We are very spiritual in Canada. Very. And, and that is on the rise. It is on it is on the rise. It's well, on the rise. There is this void inside the heart of every of every human soul to have a spiritual connection, a connection at some right. to, right. there is this search for transcendence that's in every human being. And when you strip God out of every aspect of of public and human life, people are going to look for that connection somewhere and they're finding it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely finding it 100%. And, and so instances of, and I'm, again, I'm not one of those spooky guys that's looking for sure. the devil everywhere. I, I got my feet planted on the ground, but instances of deliverance and demon possession and, you know, that, that kind of, you know, crazy stuff that you hear, you know, your elders talk about that happened right. back in the day in the early right. revivals. That's all happening again because we're pagan. It's a, it's a pagan culture. In, an interesting, um, and boy, this, this happens when we get together. We're, we it really does. <laughs> uh, Bishop Brad Lambeth has been a, a missionary in Brazil, and their family are, you know, it's a generational um, ministry that they have there, and it's it's absolutely incredible. One of the interesting things that he he brought up is that. Because they they've been kind of on the forefront of satanic worship, uh, yeah, and, and you know, but it's also a very strong Catholic country. And he said that that for years it has been both Catholicism and Satanism, and that they are often I don't want to make every Catholic that, but often yeah, of times they dabble in both worlds. Hmm. So the the, the, the Catholic faith and those that identify as such will, will have their babies dedicated, baptized, get married, and have their funerals in that structure. But when it comes to their spiritual experiences, that they will, they will dabble in the satanic side, Satanism. And, and it, it just makes me wonder if in this uptick, the, the, the rise of what we're seeing of this paganistic rise in for sure in Canada, if, if, if that's not going to become more mainstream. I, I think it is the amount of people that are going to be looking to the stars uh, and looking to, um, you know, pagan for other pagan practices to determine their future. There's a lot of talk of manifesting. I'm going to manifest this. I'm going yes. to manifest that. Yes. Uh, that, that all comes. And I've even seen this in, 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 in gospel music and, and, um, you know, non-denominational preaching circles where people are, you know, manifest what you want to see God do. And there is a sync, it's a syncretism that that's, what's going on. It's, it's a syncretic, uh, amalgamation of a form of godliness, yet the power thereof is of a completely different source. And they're melding the two, they're melding the two things to, to, together, you know, which, which is what the early church dealt with in in the sure book of is. Acts. They're dealing with sure this multi-ethnic, multicultural, right, multi-faith approach to Roman society, and they were dealing with all this stuff. and And here we are, uh, sooner than ever, closer than ever, I should say, to to the coming of the Lord. And it's no surprise that we are finding ourselves walking in a post-modern path. path the very same kind of cultural streets that the early founders of the apostolic church also walked in. Wow. 
And that is why these discussions and, and, and this format, so again, although this was a little longer, a little bigger circle than planned, that, that's the importance of, of having these discussions. Yeah. And, and, and these venues, mediums. So the restorationist, um, part of the thrust of that, if we can kind of segue into what we have yeah. chatted about before, your drive has been to increase the capacity of leaders. And, and yes. that, is a, that is a discussion that really, I think, first of all, is important, and, and there's a number of trails that we can go down. That is something I've been on um, this year in our church repeatedly, is capacity. Talk to us a bit about how that aligns with what you're doing on the restorationist. So the, the conversation of capacity and how increasing capacity, helping people increase capacity has kind of really grown in the show, become part of this vision in, in the show, uh, comes from a spiritual, emotional, mental crisis that I found my, myself having. And um, I was burnt out. I was extremely frustrated. And... I was trying to figure out if I needed to move somewhere, leave. I work with my dad I, I, and, and I, if I needed to go do something else, if I needed to, you know, move sure. to another country, like I was just, I was in, I was a mess and how I knew that that was not the solution was I still had a burden. Um, when I would walk up to the pulpit, the anointing and power of the Lord was clearly present and moving, it just would absolutely evaporate the moment that I stepped off, stepped off the stage. And at this particular moment in my life, this is, this is like four and a half years ago, I was preaching through the miracles of Elisha and I came across second Kings chapter four. And I was um, studying through that. I was running a youth camp. And I was out to lunch with some friends. Uh, one of the few times, if you've ever run youth camps, you know, there's like one day out of the week where you get to, you know, leave the camp and go eat lunch and eat some adequate food and hope <laughs> nobody dies or breaks a limb or burns anything down. My God. <laughs> and, and so this was that. And so I just opened up to my friends about how awful I was feeling and, and talking through this text at the very same time. And I felt the Lord speak to me in that lunch that what needed to change was not my environment, but what needed to change was me, that mm -hmm. I needed to increase capacity. And God kind of started to peel back the story of Second Kings chapter 4, which has really become this life-defining story and and. We're all probably all familiar with it. It was it was a woman. She was the she was the wife of one of the prophets. He was now deceased, and now the creditor was coming to take away her sons. Right. And so this is somebody that had been serving God's mission. They had been fulfilling God's purpose. They had been standing with Elisha against the grain of their culture, and now her husband has died too soon. And we know it's too soon because there's two young boys, and now they've gone from being involved in God's purpose to now getting ready to pack what meager belongings they had and send her boys off so they could be raised as slaves in another man's house. 
And so Elisha turns to the woman at second Kings four and goes, what do you have in your house? And she said, I have nothing but a cruise of oil. And Elisha says to her, go get more vessels, go get more jars. And so she goes to everyone that she could find and she gets more jars and she shuts the door and she begins to pour what she has left into the empty jar. And then that jar fills up and the last drip kind of runs out. But then she notices suddenly and miraculously that God has refilled that original jar. Got all you think of all the things that take it got to take place in order for there to be olive oil made. There's got to be a tree growing. The olives got to mature. They're going to be processed. They've sure. got to be they've yep. gotta, all that stuff. God does all of that instantly inside a pot. What would take collapses. years? God does it in the pot. He, he collapses collapsed. and compresses the time. That, and they keep pouring. They that keep is pouring so into these empty yes. vessels. Yes. They keep pouring into these empty vessels, but then the um. It says in verse six, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. Right. So the oil ceased. And God spoke to me as I was ugly crying into my Reuben sandwich in front of a group of friends that the miracle is the Lord's, but the capacity is my responsibility. Yes. Yes. God will do what only he can do. I get to determine how much. Boom. We're going to Bible bomb that one. Wow. You just and got so a Bible bomb, bro. Mm-hmm. I thank you very well. I am very, very humbled. That's good stuff. I was, I was wondering if I, I was wondering if I get one of those. <laughs> well, there's one. There's one. <clears throat> that is so good. If I could speak to one thing that you've raised there back yeah. just a moment ago is, is when, when it, when you, when you were highlighting and that's an interesting, an interesting perspective. Mm. All of the dynamics that go into what makes olive oil, that's that's time that is collapsed into that miracle. And and that's really a supernatural, eternal element that when when we read that he will restore the years yeah. that the canker worm has eaten. God has a restorative ability. You know, if 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 someone takes a hundred dollars from you, I can restore that back to you. Now we can't go much higher than that, but if someone steals a year from you, yeah, I can't give that back to you. That takes a divine moment. Yeah. And God will restore that back. That is an incredible an incredible view on this story that God collapsed literally seasons. Yes. To keep that miracle flowing. Yes. And, and, and to me that spoke of at least in this particular season of my life that that spoke of, there are some things that only God can do. There are some things that require a supernatural work of the spirit she didn't try to recreate the oil. She just got more jars. She understood what her lane was. The miracle was the Lord's. The capacity so was her responsibility. And and so where that comes alive, whether it's in my local church or in in my in my podcast, it's becoming aware of what requires a sovereign move of God. What requires so, like I can't heal anybody. 
Uh, I can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. I can't bring anyone to repentance. I can't, I can't convict anyone of their sins. I cannot do any of those things. But what I can do is I have the ability to study. I have the ability to preach. I have the ability to pray. I have the ability to create a worship service that that unchurched pagan individuals in a large city will be able to attend and they'll find something there that speaks to their needs because that's that's what so I have good. to do because they're not going to they're not going to believe it's going to take me so long when people find out we we talked about this in our other conversation people find out how long our discipleship process is at our local church yes. and they're in the south they're like oh man my goodness you know that's so long and it's like well I have to have a whole lesson on why drugs are bad and uh, you know because you can right. literally buy weed two doors down from the church right and so we have to have that conversation and 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 so I can I can create an environment where I am meeting the spiritual needs of people. And when they understand that Jesus speaks to their deepest, their deepest wounds, their, 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 the hurts that have been plaguing them their whole life, that they can encounter the presence of God because they're open spiritually. That I can, I can build an environment where yeah. people can have a spiritual experience with God. Um, that, that's what I, that's what I can do. But, but the work of transformation, that's, that's on God. That's not something, that's not something that I can create. Rod, Rodney Shaw put it, puts it this way. He said, you know, think of the, the, the church, like a, like a ship, our administration and our leadership are the sails, but we aren't moving if there's no wind, mm -hmm. the so wind, good. the spirit. So good. The wind is the, the wind is the spirit. The wind is is the miracle. It's the it's the moving of God. It's the direction of God. It's the work of God. But our administration and our leadership capacity is 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 going to determine whether or not we catch the wind of God and sail to the destination that He has set for us. And so that's that's kind of where where all this stuff kind of started. A fascinating part. So good. A fascinating part of that story is the command was clear, borrow not a few. Yeah. And so taking and unpacking that a bit farther, how yeah. is there a very real boots on the ground application to borrow not a few? Because that is my lane. That's my responsibility is the capacity. Yeah. As long as I have the capacity the flow continues to miraculously appear. So, yes. so what? What are those? What are the, some of the objections that you see and obstacles to capacity that we need to deal with? And so, what what I love about this this kind of model is that um, it is it's entirely customizable to the needs of the of the individual, but. But let's let's speak specifically here. Um, every leader, every pastor, must do a painful and brutal self analysis of their strengths, their weaknesses, and the threats that exist within their character, within their leadership, and within their personality. I remember hearing a story of of a missionary 
where he brought this um, this evangelist. I, I don't know who it who it is, um, uh, the name of the individual, but this a missionary brought them in. It was kind of a closed country. Uh, but God had opened a great door and uh, they preached in front of this crowd. There was a few hundred people there and God moved and there were so many people that got the Holy Ghost. And then they they brought him back for this massive crusade and there was thousands and it was a total flop. And, you know, the missionary went to the Lord in prayer and said, what was what what's the problem? What's the deal? And he, Did you and say God it was a total to flop? It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay. It was a total flop. And and uh the missionary went to the Lord and said, I brought this guy in. He did so well. Oh man. Why didn't why didn't he do why is it that and God spoke to him that he had the capacity for hundreds and not for thousands? And oh. and that story Wow. That story stuck with me. And and so at my at my particular journey, I had to wow. I had to perform mm-hmm. a brutal self analysis. Mm-hmm. Where I looked at my, I looked at my personality. Um, I looked at my emotional health. I looked at my physical health. I looked at my spiritual health, and I looked at my current trajectory of learning. I looked at who was in my circle. I looked at who my friends were and who was speaking into my life, and I began to hobble together a plan that would begin to help me increase capacity. I began what here's, here's for me, one of my problems, one of the obstacles I face, I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure that there are probably other leaders that, that can identify with this. I was blaming other people for things that were my responsibility to own. I was forcing other people to take responsibility. I was blaming environments on my own sense of personal dissatisfaction. I was not appropriately owning my emotions. So here's the problem. Here's the problem I've noticed growing up in church. And that is, you know, leaders, we get hurt, we get wounded, we get betrayed. People, they exit the church. And usually when they exit, they do so poorly. And because people cannot see God, they can only see the person who sometimes uh, speaks on his behalf at the front of the room. You get a target painted on your back. You get slandered. You get mistreated. And if you're not careful, you can become angry and bitter and you can talk about the people as if they are an other separate from you. And that will cause you to act and live and lead in a way that is going to limit your ability to grow the church that God has given you because you'll so tightly control, you'll overmanage, you'll micromanage, and you will have a deep sense of abiding distrust because you have not taken responsibility for the wound that was created a decade ago. And so if you're going to increase capacity and break that growth barrier, you've got to be humble enough to understand that you have been bruised while working for the Lord. And if you don't take responsibility for that wound that's in your heart and release the leaders that God has given you to live out their gifts and be honest about the gifts you don't have, you're not going to grow because you're going to burn out. You're one human being. You can only do so much. There's only one who sits on the throne who can be omnipresent and omnipotent, and you ain't him, and I ain't him either. <laughs> well, there. And so that is an example. Yeah. That is that is one that is one example. But I ask people to look at their personal, administrative, leadership, emotional capa- uh, emotional health, and go. What quadrant of my life is my marriage messed up? Is my relationship with my kids messed up? Um, Am, am I not sleeping? Am I not praying? Have I not read a good book 
in six months. Look at every quadrant of your life that feeds you and say, do I have the capacity to go to the next level or do I need to improve this aspect of my of my life? And and if, if I could just jump in here, this is not just for, for senior leaders. No. I mean, what what would happen if on a grassroots level this this became this became what every child of God pursued, where they looked yes. at their life and, and, and said, I can bring my game up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 uh, I've, I've used this before. I mentioned it just recently. In fact, last night we were onto it a bit in Bible study. Um, if, if you want, if you want to set yourself apart, just, just do 5% better than everybody else that's on the job you're working. Show up five minutes earlier or stay five minutes later. That's capacity. You'll be the one that's promoted. You'll be the last one to be fired. Yes. Right? And and so uh, if, if those, those that are in our audience that are listening, the worst thing you could do right now is just shelve this mm-hmm. and, and think that it's something that senior pastors are talking about. This is for you. Well, because, because I'm not a senior pastor. Oh, there you I go. think that that needs to be stated. I'm I'm not a senior pastor. Okay. Um. I'm, I'm 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 not the I'm not the point guy. I'm an assistant pastor, and there are six other licensed ministers that serve and have a ministry portfolio in our in our church. Now, uh, thankfully, uh, I and and gratefully, my dad has given me a tremendous amount of responsibility, and that I'm the direct report for many ministries and and even these other licensed ministers that are in. But this existential crisis that i went through um was was not as as a point as a point leader and 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 so absolutely you're 100 percent right so if you're if you're listening to this and you go oh man that's just for the senior pastor that's just for the ceo that's just for the director no 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 this this is for everybody and, and I think you're so right, Pastor McGill. Imagine what would happen oh. in our local churches. Organic in every, impact. Oh, if everybody started, you know, one of the defining objectives at our church, uh, you know, our, our vision for this year is more jars and it's increased capacity. Yes. And, and, and we presented to our church, we spent nine weeks preaching through the nine jars that we needed to give to God. And one of them was every person taking their ministry and their calling seriously. Because there is, there is a lid. There is a lid. There are not enough. There are in my, in 550,000 people in my city, there is, there is not enough. There's not enough. There is not enough pastors to do all the work. In fact, that's not even biblical. Right. What's biblical is the body serves itself. The body does the work of the ministry. Um, Everyone's fitly framed and formed together. So, yes, every person trying to find a way that they can increase capacity and take their ministry and their calling seriously. That is so, so good. What role, um, and I want to hear more from you, so I'm not wanting to hijack where where you're going with this, but... What what role does networking play in the increasing of capacity? If one can do this, two can do this. If 
You know, there, there, there's there's yeah. a, there's one putting a thousand to flight. There's mm -hmm. two putting ten thousand to flight. I mean, th those are those are um, mathematical wonders when you step into that supernatural power of of the compounding element to networking together with with fellow believers. I think it's 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 essential because no leader, no individual. And let's cascade this from the church world to the senior pastor down to the pastoral staff to the family. And then I cascade that to the career, you know, to the to the CEO, to the senior level manager, to the frontline worker. No single individual at any point has all the answers. And when I operate as an as an island unto myself, I'm Rob. I rob myself of opportunities to grow. You know, Elisha didn't tell the woman, you know, pray about your jars. He said, go get them. Yes. That means she had to go to other people. Yes. She had to go to other people and be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And vul vulnerability is vulnerability is something that is, I believe, a lost a lost spiritual discipline or a lost art in the lives of so many people. We are so driven at times by, and, and I can only speak for myself, but we're driven by image. We're, we're driven by um, how others may perceive us. No one wants to appear weak. Yeah. No one wants to appear needy. And I got to give a, a shout out to my friend, um, Ryan Franklin. He he's been, I've been working with him. He's an executive coach and he's, he's become a dear friend of mine. He said, the scripture says, Adam, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes. Blessed are those who are needy. Hmm. Blessed are those who are aware of their frailty and what they lack. Imagine, imagine what would happen. Yes. If instead of me trying to tell you how much I knew, I instead tried to mine your mind for the wisdom and the skills that you have so that I can learn and I can grow. Iron sharpens iron, the scripture yes. says. Yes. And so our friends, the people that we intentionally put ourselves around, I want to be... You know, there's the old, I think, I don't know if it was Andy Stanley or some CEO leader that said, if you're the smartest person in every room you're in, you're in the wrong rooms. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I wanted a vulnerability. I recently preached a, a large men's conference and my whole past decade of preaching out has been, has been youth stuff. And here I was, and I was preaching with guys that and I'm I'm just I'm gonna be vulnerable. I these dudes are, are way out of my league. Like I'm like I'm 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 punching well below my you know my experience here. Like these these guys these guys are masterful at this. And this is the largest group of adult humans that I've ever preached to. Sure. And but I wanted to be there. I had dislocated a foot. I was in a cast. I was getting in. I was getting in a wheelchair, um, and and they're leading me from like gate to gate to get to my flights. Like it was a really pitiful sight. There was like me and all of the octogenarians that were also on the plane <laughs> getting pushed around the Atlanta and Dallas airports. But I want. I was going to do everything I could to be there. I had a word from the Lord. That was first and foremost. But number two, I wanted to be around people. I knew that could preach me under a table yes. because if I only exist in spaces 
where I'm the most experienced guy or I'm the smartest guy or I'm the most, I'm in the wrong rooms. I want to be in places where I feel like I don't belong. Can I carry your shoes? Exactly. That literally happened. One of the the main speaker checked into the hotel and I'm carrying his gift basket up to his room for him. Why? Because I'm like, I get to rub shoulders with this guy. Exactly. Okay. So so this, this, go ahead. Sorry. Can, can I can I just throw this because I want to hear from you on this we we Go were talking it. about this last night in church in, in in Bible study about the plague of insecurity yeah so insecurity is a blight that literally affects behavioral patterns it 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 undermines the um, the efficacy of salvation people that do not have confidence casting away Cast not away your confidence, for it hath great recompense of reward. So yeah. one of the things in th- that we talked about in that setting was if I'm insecure in who I am, then I see the strengths in someone else. I see mm-hmm. the strengths in, uh, let, let's, let's compare podcast to podcast. I see the strengths in the restorationist and what you're doing and your approach, and I compare it against the inferiority of my own. And so the easiest thing to do is to attack the strengths yeah. that you see others have that you lack mm-hmm. in yourself, and you distance yourself from people that have the strengths you don't have, and you surround yourself with people that have the strengths that's that so you do true. have. That's so true. And you just further embolden the lack of balance and roundedness that you have and that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that? I, you know, absolutely. You know, my dad has always taught me that insecurity and pride are the same thing. They're both an obsession with self. They're oh, that's an good. Obsession with self. That's good. Mm-hmm. And and. The, the issue that keeps people from being vulnerable is they either think that they're so much better than everybody else, so there's no need for me to admit frailty, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they are so insecure and obsessed with how others perceive them that they're unwilling to reveal what they feel are their frailties and their weaknesses, and it's, and it's a blight. Mm-hmm. It's a blight because it'll tr- make it'll cause you to treat people as enemies. That could actually be the greatest life giving force. Yes, in your life, in your church, in your family, and in your leadership. And it, it fosters you know a it criticalness. A well, criticalness. You look around, you see somebody that's grown faster than you, and you go, "Well, um, I wonder where be. they've compromised." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to. They have to be. be. Hmm. Because because if I'm not growing, nobody else can. Or if I'm not experiencing some, may, maybe may, maybe you're operating at a capacity for the current growth that you have, and they have found a way to break through that ceiling through either administration, structure, behavior, or leadership. And what would be really good is if you stop side-eyeing their revival yeah. and just reached out and said, man, I'm so grateful to see that the Lord is blessing you. Yes. What has been, how do you operate? Can, can, can I, can I live in the overflow of what God is doing in, in your exactly. ministry? Well, and circling back to, to second Kings, um, to second Kings four, you know, 
in a shame on her culture of ancient Israel. This woman's a widow and she can't pay her bills. And she's about to lose the two males in the house. Like she is, she is in yeah. a vulnerable position. Yeah. She is one step away from being an outcast. And now she's got to go door to door to door. And she's got to ask for more jars. Mm-hmm. Speaking about what, what you just, what you just brought up, the level of vulnerability and humility that she would have to explain her situation and be open and honest enough about the, the tragedy that was about to befall her so that she could find empathy with her neighbors and they could lend her the jars. You know, how many, and, and, and stop me if we're on a rabbit trail here, but like how many, how many ministers have we seen their marriages collapse or their faith collapse or they fall into moral failure because they got burnt out and they didn't, they, they were so either insecure or proud. It doesn't really matter because they were so obsessed with how other people perceive them that they couldn't reach out to somebody who was currently thriving and at the same time healthy and admit that relationally they were upside down. Their marriage was upside down. Their emotional health was upside down. And while they may be killing it at church, they're wrecking it at home. Yeah, They didn't have the vulnerability. You have to have the vulnerability of a widow to be able to go to people and be like, you have something I don't have. Oh, that's good. Wow. I hit you two have buttons. something I... He I hit two oh, buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just learning how to be a co-host. Yeah. <laughs> the vulnerability of a widow. Every, there's a widow in every one of us then. Mm-hmm. We need to be, we need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, for example, because it can't talk about vulnerability without being it. Um, my wife went through cancer and surgery and lost the ability for us to have any more kids. Um, then calcified lesions appeared on her thyroid six to eight months later. And the Lord healed that. And we're very grateful and we're very thankful. But it, it, took, a, it took a while. And right before we were going to do the fine needle um, biopsy, of one of the lesions on her thyroid, God healed it and caused it to to disappear. But it was the longest several months of our life. Sure. Her son has anaphylactic allergies. Um, I was very, very busy for eight years as a youth president in the Ontario district here in Ontario and um, assistant with my dad. Two years of COVID. I got burnt out. I was feeling the squeeze mentally where I was performing well, but internally I was angry. I was depressed. I was snippy. Um, I wasn't, my mind was not healthy. And so I spoke to a Christian counselor for two months, a retired Pentecostal minister who also had a, a doctorate in um in in therapy and psychology and he was canadian and so he understood the context he had understood some of the current pressure points that were bringing the unhealthiness in me to the surface i didn't know i didn't i didn't know how to handle the stress i was under so i had to sit down with somebody and i had to say doc I'm killing it with my ministry, but I, I, and and I'm doing okay at home, 
But in, inside, I don't like who I am. I don't like how I feel. I had, I had to be vulnerable enough to reach in and borrow a jar from a man in his late 60s who had pastored small so churches good. from Newfoundland to the GTA um, and specialized in helping pastors that had been through that had been through some of the same internal struggles and fights that can happen within a local church that understood sometimes the the politics that can take place in the body of Christ that shouldn't take place in the body of Christ, but because we're all frail, fallen, sinful people. And we need the grace of God every day. Sometimes it rears its public head and, and bites everybody. I had to be vulnerable. And, and then again, working with, with Ryan Franklin now, um, realizing I read his rhythm of life and, uh, and his Christian leader blueprint. And I realized he has a great podcast, by the way, it's a phenomenal podcast. Great podcast. He's a great, even an even better man. And uh, I had to call him, be like, "Hey, bro, I, I'm doing all this stuff," and everybody's like, "Hey, how can you help us increase capacity?" And I feel like I am, I feel like I'm in my first day of jujitsu class, and somebody's somebody's got me in a choke and an armbar, and I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm going to tap with a foot <laughs> or just scream because I'm. And he helped me put together a rhythm of life. He helped me script my morning and my day, and and. Uh, and just kind of get that stuff together. But that required being willing to be embarrassed about what I didn't have and what I didn't know. You know, as you're talking about this, and I, I know we're we're nearing the the landing strip here, and before I get some closing comments from you, as you were just talking these few, few moments, these last few moments, so your ministry's thriving. When you step to the pulpit, there's an anointing. Your, your, your family's doing well, but there's that internalized element that you're going to collapse if you don't if you don't give attention to the inner man, mm. strengthened by his spirit with power in the inner man. So the story that comes to my mind is is the the miraculous catch of fish and immediately, Peter goes from too much boat to not enough boat. I mean, God, God can move quick. He yeah. had fished all night and caught nothing. And now by simply casting the net on the other side, he is gone from too much empty to not enough empty. And, and, the, and, and the success, I think this is key, and this is what I'm hearing you say, the success of the moment is sinking him. Yeah. Failure is not the only thing oh, that my. can take us down. A promotion can take you down. Right. Mm -hmm. And the success is mm -hmm. sinking him because he does not have capacity. Mm -hmm. Yes. He does not have the capacity to handle the success of the moment, the supernatural, miraculous measure is overwhelming him. And so his boat is sinking and his net is breaking. Yeah. At that moment, if he didn't have a partner to call, the whole thing is over. But because he could reach out to someone else and say, bring your vessel Help. alongside. You know, it's not about, well, I'll just try to manage 
whatever amount of fish I can I can net out of this moment. No, if you don't get help, you're going to lose your ship and you're going to lose your net. You're not going to retain anything out of this moment. But if you get help, you'll at least be able to land a portion of the miracle. Yeah. And that's where that networking, and I know that's a play on words there, but is critical. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you have to have people in your life that know you deeply. You have to have friends in your life that know you so well that they can tell you when you're off. That mm -hmm. when you start talking on the phone, that can hear it in your voice. If you have nobody in your life that can tell you no, that That's can so tell good. you that you're off, that your character's wrong, um, or that this is, you know, whether it's success or whether it is the struggle, uh, that is so important. You you need to have you need to have people in your life who are way better than you yes. at other things. You have to. That is that is so important. And, and I, I, you know, I've, I've done all of the personality tests and assessments and I, I know where my weaknesses are. I, I know where, where I'm going to fall short, not, not in character or morality, but I know where I'm going to fall short when it comes to operating as a leader. And one of the great tragedies of leadership that I, that I see is when you have a strong leader at the top who beneath the armor is such an extreme level of competitiveness and insecurity that he or she is not able to have other leaders around them that operate at a higher level in some way than yeah. they do as the yeah. point leader yeah. or they do as a senior manager. And so that is, to me, it's it's so important that whatever internally you have going on that prevents you as a leader from being able to say, I don't need to be the top dog in the room. I have to have, I want other people at the table that if we were going to have an arm wrestling competition on administration, they'd crush my hand through the table. Yes. I want to have other people around me that when... When I have reached the limits of my gifts that I can tap into the gifts of others and they can they can they can row their boat up alongside me and we can share in the success because the miracle is the Lord's. It's not mine. Right. The miracle is the Lord's. It's right. the growth of the church, the 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 flow of the spirit, anything that God does, I have no ownership of. I just provide the jars. And so it's his miracle to begin with. So let's get more boats. Yes. Let's get people around us that have the ability to do things and operate in a way that is far outside of my capabilities. And let's release them and give them the, the authority to be able to function the way that God designed them. And as at the end of the result, everything's going to get better. And this is from the church. This is to the family. My wife is a phenomenal administrator, like phenomenal. She keeps getting um, uh, bumps in the organization and going up and up and up. She now supports uh, an executive vice president of a $1.5 billion corporation with 15,000 employees. You want to know who's going to help balance the family finances? Her. <laughs> yes. And you don't Not need me. to be so insecure that you're threatened by that. 
I'm not threatened. I am. Re- I am releasing my wife into her gifting. Yeah. And so I don't have to worry. Why should I be frustrated about something that's clearly something that she can do in her sleep? Oh, the kingdom would be so much mm-hmm. better off if we all Absolutely. could do that. Man, as as a close-up, this has been just absolutely uh, transformative. And I, I appreciate your openness, um, vulnerability, because we all have it. And yeah. um, it's just whether we recognize it, embrace it, and surround ourselves with people that can can help in the areas that we need it. So I really do appreciate you coming um, on Kingdom Speak today, our our audience is going to be blessed by this. Do you have anything as a, a, as a closer that you could give as advice to someone that has taken what you have given them today and says, "Okay, so what's my first step? How how do I begin this process?" Well, first, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's it's an honor. To, I follow all your socials. I, I listen to your episodes and, and you produce great content and you have incredible guests. And I was very honored that you would, um, you'd want to have me on the show. And so thank you. I would say, I would say the first, you know, the first step beyond what we've, we've spoken about vulnerability and openness is to take, to take inventory of your life right now and take responsibility for what is not there. You know, life and problems have the ability to hurt us, wound us, um, knock us down a peg. It may not have been your fault, but it is your problem. And it's your problem that you got to deal with. Well said. And so you need to take responsibility for whatever is undesirable in your life, and you got to figure out what are you going to do about it. What are you going to do about it? And you have to be brutally honest in that personal assessment about where your gaps are. We, we all like to play to our strengths, and we should. But if your weaknesses are a, such a detriment to you that they are causing your strengths to be limited, you need to shore those things up. For example... In my own life, you know, we're staying on the vulnerability train here. Mm-hmm. I stepped off a stage two summers ago, preached my guts out with a heart rate of 178 beats a minute. And um, they thought I was going to pass out. I thought I was going to pass out. So we both thought it would be a great idea for me to sit down while the young people continue to dance and shout before the Lord. <laughs> I realized that if I was going to be able to preach with that level of intensity, at a sustained pace for multiple days that I was going to have to make a change in my physical health. Now I like to read, I like to study and I love to preach. It would have been easier for me to just play to what I was just killing it at, but I had to be honest about the thing that needed to change in order for all of the other gifts that God had given me in order to change too. Yes. And so if you were, to, if I were to take you fellas down into my basement, you'd see a squat rack and and a rower, and uh, I hate it. Oh my goodness, do I hate it! And I'm and I'm still not in great shape. But today or Sunday, I preached, and when I was done, my heart rate was 164. 
And so we brought it, we brought it down, but I had to do an honest assessment. Yes. Honest assessment of what needed to change. And so the miracle is the Lord's, the capacity is your responsibility. If you will be open, you'll be vulnerable and you'll take responsibility and be honest about what needs to change. You're already halfway there. God, God is going to combine whatever effort you give him with his anointing and you'll find yourself growing faster and going further than you ever thought you could before. So it's been an honor to be with you guys. Thank you so much.